the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Intelligent. Conservative. The answer. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. evening happy monday best day of the week especially since it's all cloudy and gloomy and and dreary outside in san diego at least i get to come in here and hang out with all y'all my favorite people on the planet on the this next night. time you say it's the best day of the week i'm cutting your mind <laughs> what don't you don't you look forward to coming in on mondays you get to hang out with ak Woo, it's friday night <laughs> no. it's monday night Woo! it's monday night Okay, now I'm going to use that as a sounder. Okay. I'm going to cue that up every Monday. I have no idea who's calling me. I I almost never have my sound on my phone because I can't stand it. This is what we call live radio. I know. Welcome to live terrestrial radio, folks. This is not a podcast, but don't forget that, well, it gets turned into a podcast. And don't forget if you miss any part of tonight's show or any show, uh, feel free to uh, download this podcast wherever you do find your podcast. And if you do find yourself so inclined to want to be a part of tonight's show, you can do so in a variety of ways. Yes, you can. You can call in the live number 888 888 You can email me at com. You can call our 24-hour hotline number. I'm going to wait to give that out because I don't want the two numbers to get confused, but we love to hear from you guys. If you want to call and you just want to share something, you don't want to go on air, you've got an idea, topic, you want to rant, feel free to rant yourself all over our comment line, and we will give that out in a little bit. We've got a great show for you guys tonight. So much to get into. I mean, I've literally got two inches deep Deep on some And you're topic. actually not being hyperbole. <laughs> no, no. Or hyperbolic, by the way. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Um, I'm not. I mean, we're, and we're not even covering all the, the topics of the day. I definitely want you guys to make sure you're tuned in at the bottom half of the hour because we've got a father on. Oh my gosh. I don't know how I'm going to get through. It's a good thing I'm not doing Facebook Live tonight. And I'm not because I scratched my right eye trying to dig a piece of fuzz out, which I did not locate. Um, and so my right eye is really bothering me. I just said you need to come on the just tell people you're allergic to Democrats. Right. <laughs> yeah, because I'm They're like, everywhere. Because my right eye is just constantly blinking. It, yeah. To do Facebook Live, I would have needed to wear a pirate's patch, and I was not going to... Wear, well, there is a, a, like a pirate day. I don't think it's today. <laughs> Arg, <laughs> You scurvy knaves. <laughs> is it, I don't know where I got that from. Anyway, um, what was I talking about Facebook Live? I don't know where I was going with that topic. Um, anyway, I don't know why I even mentioned Facebook. Oh, um, I'm glad I'm not doing Facebook Live because I'd probably be crying with our guest at 630 because he's here to tell a story of how his daughter, his name is Scott Shera, about how his daughter 
who happens to be uh, happened to have been a young lady with Down syndrome, how, according to him, she her life was taken um, by the actions of, quote, unethical medical personnel. And of course, this was during covid. And so he's going to be here to tell the story of his beautiful daughter. I've actually been following this story since it happened. And so I'm grateful to have him on tonight's show. So you're going to definitely want to tune in for that. Okay. Um. Gosh, now my right eye is really bothering me. You know, I had, I had been really good, doing a good job ignoring it until we started talking about it. Now it's like it's all I can think about. Do you know what I, Do you know what I mean when you when you? It's like the pebble in your shoe. You're walking on it all day. Oh, I have that happen all the time. Yeah, and you're able to put it behind you, and then finally, after a while, it's like you just can't stand it anymore. You think about it, and suddenly it's excruciating. Kind of so, like Biden. We can't yeah. stand him anymore. <laughs> could we ever stand Biden? I could never stand that no, clown. No, not since uh, day one. I've been following that fool my entire life politically because he's been around since, you know, um, he's literally been in office longer than I've been alive. Longer than both Skins and I have been alive. And that's how long this country has been supporting him and then um, funding his his um, selling of the office of the vice presidency. Oh, God bless you all. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Let's go lick, lick the world. <laughs> Let's go lick the world. <laughs> you know, I do think what he meant was go lick them. You know, that licking them used to mean licking them used to mean. Um, we're going to be tough guy. We're going to take him out, right? I, I think that's probably what he meant. But he's so full of dementia and so so mean and so out of it that, that you know, it's just, it, it's fodder in my opinion. All right. Um, so I'm loving, I've had my doubts about Jim Jordan. I've had my doubts about Jim Jordan. I didn't like most recently that he um, refused when there was a lot of votes led by the rebels in the House, including Andy Biggs, about Kevin McCarthy taking over as speaker. When when someone nominated Jim Jordan, he refused to and said it wasn't going to be the best use of his abilities and his focus. And I thought, no, when we when we if we need a new speaker, you should be willing to step up on behalf of the citizens in your district, as well as on behalf of the citizens of this country and i still think he should have been he could have been a great speaker but i'm loving what he's doing as a part of this committee of oversight for the weaponization i believe it's called the weaponization um committee and so on the heels of alvin bragg in new york deciding to weaponize the district attorney's office against donald trump while not going soft. Go, to say that Alvin Bragg is a district attorney is soft on crime is the understatement of the year. It, it, it's, it, it, he is literally aiding and abetting all kinds of felonious bad actors on the street, even in, including murder. And so Jim Jordan decided to take his committee, his weaponization oversight committee, to New York. And there was a hearing today, and it was absolutely yummy in its explosiveness there was one mom who was there who took it to to alvin bragg in a way that quite frankly this woman needs to be she needs to run for office we didn't have a chance there's no way i could play all six minutes of her speech but at one point um at one point they're trying to stop her um, there's this Democrat named Representative Goldman, 
and he's talking to her in a way that is obviously just completely condescending and patronizing. And um, she jumps in, and here's what she has to say to him. Clip 12. Your, your experiences are devastating. But the problem is, is that this is a charade to cover up for an abuse of power that they are going around talking incessantly outside of this hearing about Donald Trump. And the purpose of this hearing is to cover up for what they know to be an inappropriate investigation. Now, I look forward, many of you are Can I in respond New York to City. You, please? No, not right now, because I only have 20 seconds. I'm sorry. But I, I do Don't want to. Don't insult talk. my intelligence. That, I, I, you're not. Hang on, hang on. The gentleman's time. I'm not insulting you. If you're trying to insult me, time. like I'm not aware of Ms. what's going Ms. on Brand, here. Thank you. Okay? I, I'm fully aware of what's going on here. Gentlemen, I will suspend. Okay? Gentlemen, gets another 15 seconds. Thank you. That's time why left. I walked away from the plantation of the Democratic Party. Committee will be in order. Ms. Brain, what, what I was about to say is that as a representative of this city, I look forward to working with you, with Ms. Harrison, Mr. Did you hear what this woman had to say? Y'all need to Google her. Her name is Madeline Brame, and she was so articulate, so gripping in her, ora- in her oration and her articulation of what had happened to her son, his murder, his slaughter at the hands of a, of a mob, and what ended up happening with her case, that, it, that I couldn't turn my eyes away from it. I wish we could play all six minutes or so of it, the entire exchange and everything she had to say. And for this man to speak to her and basically say, your experiences are devastating, but you know, this is, uh, it was so condescending, so patronizing. And, she, and she's absolutely right. He was insulting her intention, uh, insulting her intelligence. And, and the way the Democrat Party speaks to, by the way, she is a black woman. She is an African-American. And she is incredibly intelligent because she knocked it out of the park when she said, this is why I left the plantation of the Democrat Party, because they do exactly this. They have policies and have for generations while telling the African-American community that white America and the Republican Party are the evildoers, keeping them down, oppressing them, responsible for every problem going on in their community. The reality is it's the Democrats here. They've got a, they've got a, a Democrat policies as well as Democrats in charge that are leaving their citizens like her son vulnerable to murder and they dare to speak to her and that kind of conduct with that kind of condescending tone here's what happened with her son as she talked about it today he was murder her son was murdered in 2018 um she went on to say that uh she went on to talk about how last year bragg's office downgraded and dismissed charges against two of the offenders along with two of their relatives that were involved in brutally beating and stabbing her son. They dismissed charges against two of those that were involved in her son and killing her son. She goes on to say he dismissed, completely dismissed, gang assault and murder indictments against two of the defendants clearly on video participating in the brutal, savage slaughter of my son. Hassan was kicked, punched, stomped, and stabbed nine times by four individuals whom he did not know, nor had he done anything to him. He was a 35-year-old Afghanistan war veteran. 
who was viciously slaughtered by four people on video, and two of them are out walking the streets right now. Two of them were convicted for gang assault and are serving 20 years in prison while Travis Stewart was sentenced to seven years on the same charge, and he will be out in 18 months. One of them is out right now on the streets, a Mary Saunders. She went on to say, this savage is currently walking the streets of Harlem like she didn't just participate in the brutal slaughter of another being, home with her family, home with her children. She says, if that's not a threat to public safety, I don't know what is. And as far as the Manhattan District's attorney's office, if he's receiving one penny of federal dollars, you need to pull that funding until he starts doing his blank job and prosecuting crime. Absolutely right on. And to that, this Goldman guy decided he want to get in, get in her face and insult her intelligence and try to act like the real issue is Donald J. Trump. We're going to take a break. We come back. There was actually some laughter that took place in this hearing. You'll get to see uh, here who who that was, uh, who was on the receiving end of that and who got mocked today in this hearing. We'll be right back. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Skins is trying to convince me that he's got some a beet casserole that actually tastes as good as taters. No, 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 no. Let's be clear. I don't know. Never Should I? It tastes as good, but when okay. you're uh, trying to eat healthy with the wife. Uh, it's actually a really good substitute to try and limit carbs, et cetera. Okay. And, but, okay. And they're, how, they're, are they done like an au gratin potato? It's done like an au, au gratin potatoes. Yep. So okay. very, very creamy. And if you tasted it and I didn't tell you it was made with radish, you'd never know. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to give it a try. Y'all know I'm not, re- I'm not really very adventurous when it comes to food. I mean, I'm really, I'm like an eight year old. Okay. It's like, I like what I like. <laughs> Let's put it that they were so good. I actually, we, we, Brought them for family members at a holiday, and we didn't say anything intentionally. Oh, this is so great. What is this? Then you tell them it's radish, and they're completely shocked. Mm, okay, peeps. Would, are you guys buying it? 888-344-1170. I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a try. One little tiny bite. All right, back to this hearing today. I think this was one of the smartest things that I've ever seen a Republican Party do, and that is this crime hearing that they had in New York on the heels of Mayor Adams a while back saying on the day, I believe it was the day of the Trump arraignment, New York is the safest large city in America. Marjorie Taylor Greene better come here and behave herself. Nonsense. You just heard the voice of a mother whose son was savagely beaten and murdered by four people, one of which is walking around, one of which got seven years is going to be out in in, in 18 months. And that's just one story. There were others that were told today. Um, This one, everybody remembers the bodega. We don't have bodegas here. They're a kind of a little small, privately owned little convenience store. And they they look really cool. I wish we had. They kind of remind me like in New Orleans in the French Quarter. We have a lot of little local little businesses. Out here, everything seems like it's national chains. We have something similar to these bodegas. And you remember the bodega clerk who you could see it on video? How girlfriend doesn't get something she wants. She brings boyfriend in and they chase him around and try to stab him. And he stabs a boyfriend and kills the boyfriend in self-defense. And they arrested him. 
Yeah, here was his story today. Clip 15 or 5, I'm not sure. Yeah. That. Just like any other day. I took pride in the hard work I put in every day at the store to earn my own money and support myself and my family. That is when I encountered a true and real threat to my life. After I simply told a woman that she could not have potato chips because her payment was declined, I was face to face with her boyfriend who seemed ready to kill me. He attacked me violently, threw me around the store. The woman stabbed me herself. I truly believed they were there to kill me. So faced with this, I did what I knew I had to do to save my life. What the law, what the law allows me to do to save my life. I stabbed that man in self-defense. But when the police came, even though I was injured myself, I was placed under arrest. I was taken to jail. When I came before the judge, the prosecutor said I was being charged with murder in the second degree. They asked for bail, even though so many people are being let go these days. And I couldn't afford it. So I went to Rikers Island. I was forced into a crowded and unsafe intake cell. Even though I was injured, in jail I didn't get the medical treatment I should have received. I spent almost a week in Rikers Island before bail was lowered and I could be released. I was forced to endure the harsh conditions on Rikers Island as an innocent man. I still don't know why I was charged with murder. Hang on, let's stop it right there. Um, He was charged with murder because what they're trying to do here is the good guys are now the criminals and the bad guys. This is what this is what uh, the cultural Marxist through crime movement's all about. It's all about changing society intentionally through the use of crime. The message is not unlike Kyle Rittenhouse. It's that you don't have the right to defend yourself. We are going to put our voting base, allow them to do whatever they want to do. Run roughshod all over people, beat them up, murder them. You're supposed to just put up with it and take it. And if you don't, you're going to be the one that's arrested. Just like Kyle Rittenhouse. That's what was going on here. And they did not care that this man was a minority. They didn't care anything at all about him. What they care about is transforming this country into their communist, quote, utopia. And this crime wave is part of the plan. Continue. Case fully. They rushed to judgment, and I suffered because of it. Even though the charges were ultimately dropped, they should not have been brought against me to begin with. I am now traumatized from the incident. I am not working because I am terrified for my life that someone in a gang will come after me for revenge. I was injured physically and mentally because of the incident and my unlawful arrest and incarceration. My story is one that should not happen again. Crime does not discriminate on the basis of a political party. It needs to be addressed by law enforcement on the street and by prosecutors in the court. But it has to be aimed at the people committing crime, not an innocent man like me. And the next time an innocent man does nothing but protect their own life and self-defense from a violent attack, they should not be made the villain, but instead treated with care and compassion as the victim. You're not supposed to see to see yourself as a victim when you're attacked by these bad guys on the street. You're supposed to see them as a victim. See, they've got to get you to believe that all of these 
murderers, sexual assaulters, all these criminals and these thugs out there doing them largely, largely being done. I'm just going to say it by people of color in New York City. You're supposed to believe that the that any crime taking place across this country, everybody in jail that's been in prison as a person of color was put there because they're victims of society. And that anybody today that's a person of color that's performing, that's that's enacting any crime or perpetrating a crime out there is doing so as part of their victimhood. And you're just supposed to put up with it. He was supposed to hand over that chips. And you think about it. The message to these criminals out there is how dare this guy not hand over those chips. You look at the crime wave we've had here with the smash and grabs because we had a governor here in California that was like, you know what? We're not going to prosecute anybody who steals up to $1,000 in the stores. He was supposed to hand over those chips. It didn't matter that his livelihood was at stake or his life. It's all a part of it together. At one point, the gallery burst into laughter when uh, Jerry Nadler had a a comment. And and they know it. Why would they laugh when, when... Jerry Nadler made a made a comment, stupid or not. New York City is Democrat, right? Because they've had enough. They've had enough with being having their intelligence insulted, like Ms. Brame said. But my question for these Democrats is, when are you going to have enough to the point to where you're going to stop voting for Democrats? But here was the moment in which people erupted into laughter. Clip 14. Use of power. It is, to use the chairman's favorite term, a weaponization of the House Judiciary Committee. I do not know <laughs> if Mr. Trump will be found guilty. I do not suspend, know. Gentlemen, suspend. The gallery uh, should refrain from commenting and let the gentleman from New York finish his statement. The, the, you know, I hate this. The gentleman gets his reserve his time. You know, there's there's nothing gentlemanly going on here. But I get that that's what Jim Jordan has to do. But did y'all hear them laugh when he basically accuses Jim Jordan and this committee of abuse of power? That was Democrats in, the, in, that, in that gallery. Democrats. And you know what? One thing that is nonpartisan is mo- that what is the universal anguish out there? The pain of losing somebody or having a loved one, you know, stabbed, assaulted, raped, beat over the head, hospitalized. I mean, isn't that the universal language that we have of that kind of pain? And I got to tell you, that woman, that mother, Ms. Um, Brame, the way she spoke today, she needs to run for office. She talked about how this case, that it took years for this case to be brought to a jury before the case was resolved. And it was handed over to Alvin Bragg, ripe, ready for these murderers to get their just rewards. What happened to it? And why weren't they charged with a hate crime? Because this African-American war hero, and by the way, Google him. I mean, the look of this man and his and his fatigues. What a handsome. I know it doesn't it doesn't make it any worse because he was that good looking. But it's like you see that good looking of a man in fatigues as a as a hero. And you go, oh, my gosh, it's so tragic. Where it where was the federal government? Why were they not? Why were these people not charged with a hate crime since he was an African-American viciously attacked by four hoods, uh, you know, on the street? Because of the color of those perpetrating the crime? Where's the African-American community here on behalf of this veteran? We're going to take a break. We come back. We got to shift gears. There were many other stories that were told today. 
Um, but we got we got to shift gears on it, and we got to take a break and, and come back and hear another story about our U.S. government perpetrating crimes and allowing people to be killed. This time at the hands of the medical community. Stay tuned. Andrea K, the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea K show on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K show. I'm also as much as I talk about donuts and sweets, I also love my fruit, by the way. Cotton ca- the cotton candy grapes are back, babies, and I ate my weight in them this weekend. I also ate a bunch of strawberries, and I'm looking up and I'm seeing a local NBC7 on San Diego, a strawberry recall. So if, like me, you bought a bunch of strawberries this weekend, give them a look. Google that and see if uh, the batches you bought are subject to the recall, okay? News you can use here. Speaking of health and um, medicine, I'm I'm super honored tonight to have Scott Shera with me. I'm familiar with his story about his beautiful 19-year-old daughter, Grace, uh, who had Down syndrome and whose life was taken by the actions of some medical personnel, and I, and I followed the story and I was glad that I had an opportunity, super glad and honored to have an opportunity to have him on tonight. He recently, to tell the story of Grace, he recently launched a podcast called Deprogramming with Grace's Dad, where he talks about all the different ways that we've been programmed to believe narratives. Y'all know I love that topic. He's also president of Our Amazing Grace's Light Shines On, Inc., which is a nonprofit established to help people with disabilities, uh, the opportunity to use their talents and spread the light that Christ has intentionally placed with in their hearts, and it's also focused on educating pe- people on the dangers of incentivized health care, and he joins me now. Hi, Scott Shera. Thank you for being here tonight on the Andrea K. Show. Well, I'm really glad to be here, Andrea. Thank you. So if, for those who haven't heard the story of Grace, uh, please tell everybody what happened. Well, first, just a bit about Grace. Grace was 19 years old. She had Down syndrome, and Down syndrome didn't hold her back in the least. She was uh, she was super high functioning, uh, partly because God made her that way, partly because mm-hmm. we never vaccinated her, and partly because my wife did a great job homeschooling her. If she could read and write, she could drive a car. Uh, she deer hunted with me, so it, it, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> she did everything. It was she was just a she was a joy to have as a daughter and. I miss her terribly. Oh, I bet. You know, I hate to stereotype, but isn't there something special about Down syndrome, folks? Oh my gosh, I, people don't—they don't grasp it. They—they they, uh, people that don't know, they'll say things like, "After Grace died, we had a few of them say, well, now that Grace is is uh, in heaven, she doesn't have Down syndrome anymore.'" <gasps> and you know, so you know, oh wow, so you can't hold it against them. But I always responded to say. I think everybody in heaven has Down syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I um, uh, one of my bosses when I was sixteen, I got a job at Fasulo Drugs in in the New Orleans area. My boss had a had a son who was around seven or eight at the time who had Downs, and we just we just got so excited every time our boss brought him to to 
the store to visit because he was just a bright light and just so fun and so sweet and just we just had the best time with him. So um, I, I I know from, from my early years how wonderful Down syndrome folks are with Down syndrome and to think that in countries like Greenland they brag about how we don't have any Down syndrome you know children here because you know they're you know they're destroying them in the womb is just it's just heartbreaking because we're all made uh, you know beautifully by Christ and Grace was as well. So then what happened to her in the hospital? Well, what happened, actually, I want to make a comment about okay. Denmark first. You're, you're, of course, right on. But what I, what I have learned more than anything through the research is the United States is, is the same, but we project our sin on the rest of the countries instead of admitting it. Yeah. 67% of children with Down syndrome are already murdered in the woman in the United States. And some of the documents that I found in my research show how egregious the treatment of Down syndrome children are mm. relative to medical care. They're purposely rationing care for people with Down syndrome, and well, I can I, prove it. I never but, knew that. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting. I've, I've been a full-time advocate now for about 14 months, and so when I'm not on programs like this, I'm doing research, mm-hmm. uh, my own podcast, uh, lots of legal work because, you know, the I know the case better than the legal team. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what happened was Grace uh, was, te- we tested Grace at home with a home kit on October 1st of 2021. She tested positive for COVID. We tested her because we were going to go to a wedding and she just had a cold and we just thought, well, if it is COVID, we don't want to spread it. Mm-hmm. And so we were on the front, the FLCCC protocol. And so we just thought we'll walk right through this. Well, one of the problems with the protocol at the time was that it said that if oxygen saturation drops below 94%, go to the emergency room and admit yourself to the hospital. So on October 6th, Grace dropped to 88%, and unfortunately, we perceived that as an emergency. And I say unfortunately, obviously, because she's, she's gone, but the reality was we had no business even measuring her oxygen saturation because we didn't have a baseline. So we bought the pulse ox that they sent to buy and you started measuring it. But my suspicion is um, that if we would have measured Grace's oxygen every time she had a cold or flu historically, it would have been in the mid 80s and we wouldn't have thought anything of it. But ultimately, we did go to the emergency room and we checked her into the hospital and a series of events. I was in the hospital from October 6th until the 10th, at which time they took me out by an armed guard. (gasps) Grace had about 40, a little over 45 hours without an advocate. During that time, they increased the dose of a sedation med that we found out after the fact six different times. So they sedated my little buddy instead of taking care of her. My daughter, Jessica, came in as a replacement advocate and spent the last two days with Grace. Her second to last day, uh, even though at this point she was sedated four days, she had a great day. Even the doctor acknowledged it. He called us the morning of the 13th. Grace's last day and said, well, he, he act, the purpose of the call was one thing, uh, which the purpose of the call was to convince us to give the hospital through the doctor a pre-authorization or a pre-approval for a ventilator, and they would frame it just in case. And just in case was meant that these type of things tend to happen in the middle of the night when we can't get a hold of the family. Uh-huh. And so we knew we weren't going to approve a ventilator. We turned it down that morning for the fifth time. And 
Then he immediately switched gears, which is strange, but we knew this. He said, Grace had such a good day yesterday, we should work on nutrition. And so we approved a feeding tube in that phone call. While we were on the phone with him, they increased the dose of Presidex, the sedation med, to the maximum allowable dose while we were on the phone. Why? So telling us he, well, <laughs> I don't understand why make, the need for all make. this sedation. I mean, what was her condition like at that point? We're talking to Scott Sher about his beautiful daughter, 19-year-old Grace, who died in the hospital during COVID. What was the explanation for why there was any sedation? Well, that's a that's a great question. I mean, their records will say that she's agitated. Well, Grace is not agitated whatsoever. She she was agitated one time when I was in the hospital with her. When Jessica was in the hospital with her, she was agitated zero times. And the time she got agitated with me was when they were trying to take a high-flow cannula and shoot air up her nostrils at 40 miles an hour. Well, I would have been agitated. Well, too. yeah. I had to be yeah, put so, in. A, I had to when I was a kid. I had to be put in a straitjacket at one point when yeah, I, when I was I five. Mean, okay. <laughs> um, so you know, you know, kids, patients get agitated. I was in the hospital recently, and somebody got somebody. I heard code fifty five. I'm like, what's what's that? And they're like, angry patient. Uh, so I mean, that was an adult. I mean, it happens, right? I mean, you know, it's because she was it because she had no advocate. So it's like, I know, let's just drug up this patient so we don't have to, to, to deal with her. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, it seems it seems like that. There's three very specific reasons they do it, which I found out through the research. Number one is that they make more money. The room is mm-hmm. classified as ICU. Grace never changed rooms, nor did her care change. But the amount of money the hospital received changed. Second of all, they need the patient to be sedated to set up the ventilator. So ah. if the patient or the advocate approves the ventilator. I mean, they want to do that like there's no tomorrow because it is a $300,000 payday. Oh, yeah. And then third is maybe the most egregious is if if I would have connected the dots what, with what was happening when I was taken out by an armed guard and I would have said, I'm taking Grace with me, they would have raised a fuss and said, you can't. It would be against medical advice, AMA. And so... You know, of course, that's a smokescreen, but I mean, mm-hmm. they would have they would have said the doctor is not going to discharge her. You're going to be if you discharge her, it's against medical advice. So, I mean, it's a fear tactic to right. get you to keep the patient in the hospital. So those are the three re- reasons that I know that they put her on Presidex. But what you know, so now simultaneous with hanging up the phone with the doctor, on, this is on Grace's last day. So Grace, you know, we were on the phone with the doctor at 10, still at 10, 1055. We hang up the phone and he put an illegal do not resuscitate order on Grace's chart. Wow. Then they proceeded to combine Presidex with lorazepam and morphine. And it, so Grace had these three meds in her system all at one time in a 29-minute window. Lorazepam. I, I, I don't, excuse me for interrupting, uh, Mr. Sher. I'm, I'm not that familiar with, with um, pharmaceuticals. Is, what is lorazepam? Is that like a Xanax? It's it's also known as Ativan. I'm not sure what Xanax is, but it's it's considered an antidepressant. A ben, a, is so, it okay? Like a benzo? Okay. Yep, it's a benzo. So it's they combine ben- they combine the sedation drug with a benzo, which those are contraindicated. You're right. not supposed to do that. That'll 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 it. kill you. That's how a lot of celebrities die not not intentionally overdosing, but because they got a toxic antidepressant mixed in with a with a suppressant painkiller that suppresses your breathing and all that, and it's like a knockout. Absolutely. 
and then they added morphine. So, you know, they listed the, the cause of death on Grace's death certificate. There's two causes of death. Number one was acute respiratory failure with hypoxemia. So that was caused by using Presidex for more than 24 hours. The package insert specifically calls that out. And then second, they list the second cause of death as COVID-19 pneumonia. Well, that's a complete lie. The second cause of death was the med combination. And if they listed a third cause of death would be they refused to resuscitate Grace. So Jessica called us panicking and we're hollering to save our daughter. Oh my gosh. They hollered back, she's DNR. We said, we hollered, Ugh. she's not DNR, save our daughter. They refused. And we watched her die on that FaceTime mm. call uh, at 727. Oh, so my gosh. This was literally nine hours after we're off the phone with the doctor when he tells us she has such a great day. Mr. Sher, can I ask you to hold over the break? Sure. All right, we're gonna we're gonna keep Mr. Shera with us because I've got more more questions. We're talking to Scott Shera, whose daughter was Grace, nineteen year old, in my opinion, murdered, killed, intentionally or otherwise, uh, by medical staff in a hospital. We're gonna continue the discussion on the other side of the break. AK Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Continuing our discussion with Scott Shera about his 19-year-old daughter, Grace, whose life was taken in a hospital by medical personnel. Um, so before the break, you were telling us that they illegally put a DNR on her. I actually had the opposite happen in a hospital with my dad. They they put they put him on life support when we were all gone out of the hospital one afternoon, and we had to threaten legal action for them to take it off of him. Um, but you know, it it did it really didn't do any harm that they put him on life support. In this case, it murdered your daughter. It was a part of her being killed, wasn't it? Oh, it was definitely part of it. You know, that old, that paradigm, I came from the CPA background. So I'm very familiar with, with the DNR situation like they did with your dad. And that is a patient's wishes if they don't want to be resuscitated. Well, that weren't, that was not our wishes. You know, so they're trying to resuscitate your dad when he didn't want it, which, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's also wrong. But this literally facilitated Grace's death because the nurses would not come in and revive her. In fact, there was an mm. armed guard posted outside the door. I mean, it's it, it's um, almost too unbelievable to be true. You know, this it it's become what what happened with this. Andrea is thankfully I own a business and I had trained my guys for the six years prior, not realizing that I needed to do this full time. So I've become a full time advocate now and. You know, part of that advocacy is we filed a lawsuit last week on April 11th. And, you know, the purpose of that lawsuit is to open the door for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a light needs to shine on this evil that's happening in hospitals. Grace's case is not a one-off. Right. During, during COVID, people don't realize this. The United States is number one in the entire world, all 200 countries, number one in COVID hospital deaths at almost 1.2 million in the last 36 months. Well, how is that possible? Well, it's possible because we're using protocols that are killing people. 
And you have to frame those deaths in terms of number two to really understand it. So number two is India with a population of four times that of the United States. And the number of hospital deaths is less than 50 percent. Yeah. And in the regions where they started using, um, I'm, I'm not sure if it was ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine and basically the Zelensky pack, you know, they, they, their hospitalizations and deaths went down. I mean, the protocols here in the United States was, you know, deny anybody therapeutics that were working, deny anybody any, anything that even relieves symptoms. If somebody tests positive for COVID, you had to sit at home until you were so sick, you had to have intervention. And then it was go to the hospital and we're going to put you on a ventilator and remdesivir which blows out your kidneys. So, um, and, and, and hospitals were compensated. And then, and then it became, now that, then hospitals became, and, and healthcare, um, like, like Anthem and others or have been, they get bonuses the more shots they can get somebody yeah. to take. You know, it's so, so basically, you know, we're killing Americans for money. Well, thankfully, you're getting this word out. I mean, I am uh, shocked that you being on the West Coast that they even allow you to talk about this stuff. <laughs> well, fortunately, uh, I'm on Salem Media, and we're the home of Dennis Prager and Sebastian Gorka and Mike Gallagher, and Salem has never told me what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not. And so I'm very grateful. Um, but I don't have as big a profile as other people because I say things like I just did. Well, it's, it needs to be said. So I don't, you know, if I, if I have to have a small profile for telling the truth, so be it. Yeah, that's not, to, exactly. Exactly. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is what it is. I mean, these people um, deserve, you know, I, I want to separate things because I, I want people to understand there's a difference between repentance and justice. And so I would love nothing more than the doctors and nurses involved with Grace's death to repent because I don't want my worst enemy to spend eternity in hell. That being said, if they do repent, they still have to be accountable. Yeah. And our lawsuit does something very unique. We have not just sued the hospital, which that's usually what people do because they're after money. Mm-hmm. We're not after any money in this case. We're after exposing evil. So we also sued five doctors and two nurses and the reason is, is individually or in their official capacity in individually. Okay. And that makes sure that this, we want the The reason I'm on so many uh, programs to get this word out is I want to make sure the entire country of doctors and nurses know this case is going to lay the groundwork for all of you to be held to account that participated in this mass genocide. This right. is not right. No, it's not. You can't use the excuse of following orders and all the other excuses that you've you've justified in your mind that you use. It doesn't matter. You can justify it and rationalize it until the cows come home, but it doesn't cut it in God's economy. No, it doesn't. We're almost out of time, Mr. Sher. Please tell everybody how to support uh, your lawsuit. GraceShara.com. S-P-H-A-R-A. Please sign up. Put your name and email address. We're trying to develop a database so we can fundraise for other lawsuits. And so please go to GraceShara.com and enter your name and email. And my daughter's sending regular updates out on that platform. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.